You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, keys to victory for week eight as the Niners travel to Chicago to face the Bears. Niners at two and four, Bears at three and four. And really, Croc, we've had numerous keys to victory most weeks. I think we could boil it down much simpler in week eight. So our, our keys to victory really starts to shrink down, I think, this week to one key. Are the 49ers a Super Bowl team? Were they? Are they still? What's the secret sauce there? Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, there's a few nuggets I think we need to get into first. Croc, we haven't talked about this report that came out about the, the second round pick, and then now it's kind of being debunked about the whole Jimmy Garoppolo second round pick thing. Um, and Ian Rappaport, I think it was, who said it wasn't a thing that was officially offered. And then Seth Wickersham himself, who wrote the book that the excerpt came from, said, yeah, I didn't say there was an official offer. I said that they talked about it. And here's actually the official quote. So uh, it was not an official offer. The way that he words it in the book, and I want to get this out there because this is uh, important to have it exact. He said, uh, there was an informal call between high-level representative of the Patriots and a high-level 49ers official. What was Garoppolo's price? New England wondered if a second rounder would suffice, calling it even from 2017. But the 49ers wouldn't take less than a first. For the moment, at least, San Francisco was counting on Garoppolo to be the quarterback for 2021. So they were just some officials. We don't know who that was. I don't know if that was Belichick talking to John Lynch. I don't know who it was, but some high-level folks having a conversation. A lot of those conversations happen. That doesn't mean it's official offer. It wasn't like the Niners say, oh, no takebacks. You give us a second-round pick now, and here's Jimmy Garoppolo. But the, the conversations happened. So whether it was an official offer or not, those conversations happened. The 49ers said, no, it would probably take a first-round pick, and the Patriots quickly moved on. The thing that I don't understand about this whole deal is the timing. The Patriots had Cam Newton at that point. The time to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots was before free agency, before they went and signed Cam Newton. Then Garoppolo's your veteran quarterback for the Patriots, and that would have been if the 49ers would have decided on this already that they were going to move up and get a quarterback in the draft, and then that sort of stuff would have made sense. Once uh, once it was draft day, I don't know what – I think – And it, here's the other thing. Some of these conversations could be probing where maybe the Patriots are like, hey, we really like Mac Jones. Let's see what the 49ers are doing at quarterback and see if maybe we can talk about some other things. But really, we don't want to trade for Jimmy G. Right. We just want to get some information about who they're actually going to take and maybe if someone like Mac Jones could fall to the 49ers or do we have to move up to, to get somebody that we like or who's going to be there for us then. So there, there's a lot of things that could come from these Did they say that is, this was a draft day conversation? Yeah, the, the the story is that it was on draft day. So the timing of it is kind of odd that they would have Cam Newton and then trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, clearly they didn't care yeah. to get rid of Cam Newton. That's true. So yeah. that could have been, but you know, obviously Ian, uh, even Ian Rappaport, like his thing was, well, Patriots didn't have the money to be able to bring on the contract of Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's that aspect of it too. I think a lot of it is just right. Checking the temperature of it. I do believe that some of this conversation happened. If there's one person that I'm going to believe it's, uh, Wickersham. Yeah. Uh, just because I mean he's the same guy that came out and talked about the whole incident before, right? With Garoppolo, uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, how that whole situation went down, and it seems like he's 
pretty in tune with what's going on in the Patriots organization. So again, it, it, it didn't come off as if he was saying that there was a, there was an offer on the table, but just some, you know, checking the temperature. All right. What are they thinking about this situation with Jimmy Garoppolo? Would they be giving them up? If they will give them up, what are they looking for? To me, it sounds like with the 49ers not wanting to move off of a first and that's what they wanted. The 49ers probably felt like, listen, we don't want to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. We know we want to draft Trey Lance and we want Trey Lance to sit, which clearly has been the way he's played out. But if you want to give us a first, then who are we to turn that down? Right. If you give me something I can't refuse, then all right. But anything less than that, we are perfectly fine with keeping Jimmy Garoppolo and letting our rookie Trey Lance sit and develop that way. And if you think about it from that viewpoint, I think it makes even more sense with how things have played out at the quarterback position so far, even though Jimmy's probably not playing as well as we would have liked. There's a couple other aspects to Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance in this whole offseason that's that's been sort of odd to me, and it kind of ties in a little bit with some of the stuff we talked about with the Bears and, and their plan with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields and the 49ers' plan with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And um, and I know you and sort of the leadership and, and the structure of the locker room, and I know you had a spaces this week with Will Blackman, former NFL player, and he gave you some insight to other locker rooms and how they've been. And we heard from Joe Staley about how the 49ers lost so much leadership with you know him retiring. And then he was trying to pass the torch to DeForest Buckner after the Super Bowl, who got traded away. And Buckner was super surprised by that. 49ers also from that 2019 don't have guys like Richard Sherman, who's a huge personality. And so um, there's a lot very different in the locker room and that whole dynamic. And then I was listening to KMBR. I heard... Uh, 49ers beat writer Matt Mayoko who's one of the best and he was on there talking about the 49ers and and Mayoko said a things like we all didn't see this coming and I didn't see it coming about how difficult it was going to be with the 49ers and 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 uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being um, a quarterback who we know was going to be gone but he's also a team captain and how difficult that was going to be to have a, a bring along a rookie and have a veteran quarterback. And I was almost pulled my hair out. I was thinking, Mayoko, come on. Like, have you not tuned in to Locked On 49ers for the last six months? It was the most <laughs> obvious thing ever. And for the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy, it was the most obvious thing ever. You cannot trade up to draft a quarterback like that and have mediocre quarterback play and play mediocre ball and expect people to just sit back and be like, oh, yeah, of course this young superstar talented quarterback shouldn't play and should never see the field. Of course it's going to be crazy. It's such a difficult thing to navigate. That's why, I mean, it, it's it's just time and time again, history has shown it. There's very few times that it's actually calmed been a calm situation when you draft a quarterback that high uh, Aaron Rodgers because there was a Hall of Famer in front of him but I mean that was a media circus in Green Bay around Brett Favre right um the, the starting the Ale- quarterback has to be playing well yes as long as he's playing well then you won't have those issues look at right now you do have Jordan Love behind Aaron Rodgers and maybe you don't hear a whole lot of this because last year what Jordan Jordan Love wasn't even suiting up for games right like he just clearly was like not ready at all to even see the field so maybe it's kind of you know pushed off a lot of those questions or the need to see him but also well Aaron Rodgers won MVP Aaron Rodgers back he's also still continuing to play at a high level so when your starting quarterback plays at a high level you don't have these questions when Patrick Patrick Mahomes was sitting behind Alex Smith and Alex Smith had the best year of his career you don't have those type of questions but when Jimmy Garoppolo 
you know, he gets hurt and, and he's playing average and you're losing games and you start two and four, you're you're going to get a lot of these type of conversations. And now you said there was a media circus around Brent Favre in his you know decision making if he was going to retire. If not, there's definitely a circus around this situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Yeah, and then the offseason circus with Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of that probably has to do with you know the the way they're running things and drafting a quarterback and and maybe letting some of his friends that are veterans on the team that he thinks could help win go. So the, those those type of things never are simple and never go smooth. And I don't know why anybody expected it to be super easy and super smooth for the 49ers. Sure, on paper it looks fine. Like, hey, we got a veteran quarterback we can win with and we bring along a rookie. But it almost never happens that way. It almost never happens that way, especially with the extra bit – of a circus the 49ers brought upon themselves by trading up early on March 26th or whenever it was and having that whole month of people not knowing which quarterback you're going to take that just added to the level of scrutiny with with Trey Lance and how that whole thing was going to go and if if it was a draft day trade and all of a sudden it was like oh shoot the Niners just went to number three because we'd have been talking about jc horn at 12 we'd have been talking about like rashawn slater and we'd have been talking about uh mac jones still and we'd have still been talking about trey lance and we'd have still been talking about the quarterbacks who should they go court that would have been the argument would have been quarterback or other position we'd have been talking about uh patrick sertan like those would have been the things we'd have been talking about that whole month leading up to the draft and all of a sudden the draft day if they traded three first round picks make holy crap the niners just traded up to number three while miami was on the clock and then drafted a quarterback that would have erased so much doubt and so much circus surrounding the 49ers quarterback position and then obviously you know you have a high profile guy in jimmy garoppolo who's been to a super bowl you plan to win with them things aren't going well i mean it was just going to always be a really difficult thing to navigate and in a lot of ways the 49ers brought some of that on themselves um I want to pause here for a second because I want to ask you about your spaces and and Will Blackman's insight to locker room dynamics and some of the things that could be going on here with the 49ers with your guy uh, who is a starting quarterback but and is a leader on the team and is a captain on the team but everybody knows he's not the future and it's just a matter of time and is even going to be the starter this year is even going to be the starter next week. So I want to get into some of that stuff with you, Croc. And of course we've got some keys to victory and some statistics here that I want to break down with some quarterbacks that are playing in this football game coming up. This episode brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food It's a place where friends and family can come reconnect, a place where classmates meet up, study groups, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. And to be honest, when I think of McDonald's, the breakfast, right? The breakfast is my favorite part of McDonald's. Back in the day, it was all about fries and nuggets, but the McMuffin, McGriddle, always crowd pleasers. By the way, a tip from the Locked On DMs, Apparently, the way to go, you order a quarter pounder, but order it done like a Big Mac. I don't even know if that's legal, but it was suggested. So give it a shot. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or away team can come recharge. The place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say podcast watch party yeah you can check out this very podcast on that wi-fi at your local mcdonald's i'm loving it 
All right, for those listeners who didn't catch your spaces on Twitter or who don't catch you on Croc Talk TV, what are you doing? Go find Croc Talk TV on YouTube. Go listen to Peacock and Williamson. Go listen to Locked On NFL Draft featuring Eric Crocker. Uh, of course, after you make Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Oh, yeah, and there's a trade deadline special coming up on the Locked On NFL YouTube page that you should check out on next Tuesday going on live as the trade deadline comes and goes. Croc, can you break down what that Spaces was about and some of the things you were talking about and some of the aspects that Will Blackman broke up from or, um, broke down from being in an NFL locker room? Yeah, so, you know, the, the conversation started because I guess it was Greg Papa who said that, you know, before the season, he felt like, hey, the 49ers have a Super Bowl roster, which most of the fans are saying that as well. And I had somebody kind of push back on that. And he was like, no, I don't think, you know, this is not a Super Bowl roster. And my question was, well, what is a Super Bowl roster? Like, what is that? Because most of the time, you don't go into it thinking this team is a Super Bowl roster, unless it's maybe like the Kansas City Chiefs. And even then, you don't think it's a Super Bowl roster until it is. Look at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in however long. They get Tom Brady. They won a championship. And now, obviously, you look at it like, oh, it's a Super Bowl roster. But that's not how it was viewed before that. Same with the 2019 49ers that exactly. went to a Super Bowl. Nobody was thinking, oh, this is a Super Bowl roster. But then it's like, oh, they're in the Super Bowl and everybody's excellent now. Yeah, there were there was higher expectations for the 2020 and 2021 49ers coming into the season than the actual Super Bowl team in 2019. Right. So I was on Spaces just having a conversation with people and a lot of the responses I got, wasn't it wasn't so much about the actual players on the team, it was the continuity of the team. Like, you know, how well the guys kind of play together, uh, the cohesiveness. And right now, clearly the 49ers are missing that. So that's what makes the 49ers not a Super Bowl roster more than anything else. It's, they don't have that cohesiveness right now. Everybody's not playing together. And Will came on because he, you know, he played with the, excuse me, he played with the Giants who backed them, their way into a Super Bowl. So he was a great person to ask this question to. You know, what made those Giants a Super Bowl team? A team that had lost, during that season, four straight games. And I didn't even remember that. But they had lost four straight games at one point. They dealt with a ton of injuries. How did they keep it together? How did they win a Super Bowl? And how did they knock off an undefeated New England Patriots? Which really sounds crazy now to kind of think of that. And he said, man, like, it was the players, right? Like even when they were going through a, you know, a downtime, the leaders, they had kind of a captain's council and they held each other accountable. So nothing actually got to, you know, the coach when there were problems in the locker room, they handled it in there. So the coach just coached, the players just played, but the players also policed each other and made sure that everybody was doing what they had to do. And if you were not, then those guys would step to you. And they they like, hey, man, like, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's got to be. And guys had to abide by that in the locker room, and everybody knew what it was. So when they did go through it, and this is the difference between that team and, and, and the 49ers right now, when they did go through that time, they still knew who they were, right? They just knew, okay, we're going through a downtime. We have to get out of it. I think the biggest thing 49ers are dealing with right now is, one, who are the leaders on this team? And are they truly leaders, or are they are they captains because – they're just good football players or are they captains captains because they do go out of their way to make sure they hold everybody accountable and they check on guys and make sure guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And 
carrying out what Kyle Shanahan wants in his players, right? So you you look at that situation, and right now the 49ers, they, they don't have they don't have that. So then who gets questioned about all the players? It's Kyle Shanahan all the time. You know, why does why is it Kyle Shanahan that has to go to Brandon Ayuk? And hey, man, I need to get this out of you. I need to get that out of you. You know, oh, we've had conversations with him. With those New York, with the New York Giants team, it it was the players that went to Brandon Ayuk. Hey, you need to be doing X, Y, Z. If you're not doing this, man, you're not going to be on the field. And sometimes they got to hear it real like that from their guys. But I think that's what made it made all those guys that much better. It's fascinating, and when it comes to that sort of culture and just a group of people and like all of us have worked different kind of jobs and been around different kind of groups of friends or whatever. And it's just, sometimes the cocktail works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it ignites and sometimes uh, it's good vibes. And sometimes you get stuff done with a certain group of people. Sometimes you don't. So it's fascinating. And yeah, and I think the 49ers have lost a lot of leadership and they obviously have captains and they vote on those captains. So it's not just like, you know, some random guys, but I, I, that would be an interesting question for Jimmy G or for George Kittle or Fred Warner. You know, what kind of counsel they have? What, what is their job as a captain? Is it just a C on your chest? Or are you like holding court? Do you have meetings? Do you actually hold people accountable? Yeah, because like it would be one thing for Kyle Shanahan to have a conversation with Brandon Ayuk, but if George Kittle and Fred Warner are talking to him, we're like, hey, look, you got to be doing this, you got to be doing that because we're trying to go win a Super Bowl. And so I wonder if those conversations happen. I would love to hear uh, one of the beat reporters. Yeah, like- Ask about that. Who, who's holding, like, who on the team as a player is holding the other players accountable? Like, who's the guy that's going to them and saying, listen, this is not good enough. And sometimes you you have to be that bad guy. Is it George Kittle? You know, do you think George Kittle is going to other players and telling them that's not good enough? We can't do that. That's not it. That's not, no, you can't do that. You can't carry yourself that way. If you keep doing that, you're going to be gone. You're going to be off this team. You're not going to be in the league. Is George Kittle having those conversations with guys? Is is Trent Williams having that conversation with guys? You know, that, that's what the 49ers need right now. And it almost seems like a lot of the guys on the 49ers, they're kind of like nice guys, right? Like who's that, who's that mean guy, but also has that built up equity and that kind of we're not okay. You you can see me right now because you know we're 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 on video. Yeah, the, the listeners can't you're rocking the hoodie right behind now. me. Yeah, it says Crocker <laughs> Six. Yeah, yeah, six, six got. All right, so we won it. We won the championship there. You know, every once in a while, I'll show show off my ring a little bit. You know, but you know, yeah, we. we oh, that's we, a big. Dang, that how how much does that weigh, Croc? That's a that's a yeah, it's pretty big heavy, ring. But um, you gotta have that in a safe. You just have it all hanging out on your desk like that. Yeah, it's just hanging out. Nobody comes in here really, <laughs> and I keep a gun in here. But anyways, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> So, but on that team, and that's, I mean, that's arena football league, but we were the best team. We, we got paid pretty good. The players held each other accountable. I remember Stu, Stewie, he actually actually went to uh, Fresno State. Stu, and he played with like the Indianapolis Colts, but he would like check guys. Like he was that mean guy. Like, no, like that's not how we do, like this is how we do things. Who is that guy on the 49ers? And it seems like they brought in a lot of guys that, you know, are, you know, good guys and things like that. But you you need that mean guy. You need that nasty guy that's not going to be afraid to challenge other guys on the team. And if you don't, then it ends up having to be your coach that has to bring out, try to bring out the best in the player and answer all these questions to the media. And now Brandon Ayuk has to 
you know, see every day in the media how he's not living up to his coach's expectations. And something like came out again, like today, by I think it was the 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 officer coordinator this time that was like, oh yeah, he's not doing this, he's not doing that, he's doing this. Like those things it's should crazy. be handled with the with the players. Who 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 what receiver is is truly like AI? Like maybe Sanu, maybe, but who is who is really like, bro? Listen, like I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. If you ain't doing who like you ain't gonna last, like you're not gonna be here. Like this is how the league go. They will let you go. I've been there. I've been with Julio. I, you know, I've been around these guys. I know how they work. I've been with AJ Green. I know how. Like, if you ain't doing like, and I've seen a lot of guys come and go. Like somebody has to have that real, and it can't always be the coach in the media saying and right. sending the message. It's it's also weird that it's so public, but yet it's so vague still. What exactly he's doing wrong? Also, you know, another thing, he's definitely bigger. Like maybe did he get too rocked up in the off season? Because he was sort of a spindly <laughs> guy. He was you know kind of a lanky, fast guy. He looks definitely bigger, especially in the upper body. And like I would think that they would have wanted him to get stronger and bigger than he was. Maybe he got too big. Maybe he's just not quite doesn't have the quicks to get in and out of his breaks like he used to. Yeah, he he at the combine he weighed in like five eleven and some change and two oh five. So he was never really a little guy. That's pretty. That's pretty good size. I bet he weighs more than I, he weighs. He weighs more now than he did last year, for sure. He just looks bigger to me. Yeah, and that's not good. Um, you know, I always talk about when I was with the Jets. I remember reporting the training camp, and before you get to training camp, they put on paper like how much they want you to weigh, and you have to be within a certain range. So mine was, and 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 it's some scientific stuff or whatever, but it goes off, you know, your body fat percentage has to be at a certain point and then your, your weight in comparison to your height and how they feel like they get the most out of you from an athletic standpoint. So for me, who was at the time, six, one, 200 pounds, I actually had to drop weight and I had to be between 193 and 195 to be able to reach my like maximum athletic ability. So, but for every pound I was over 195, I get fined a thousand dollars. Dang. And you weren't a bonus baby either. You weren't at the top of the charts when it comes to money. A thousand dollars signing bonus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Croc, we got to get to some keys to victory here. Let's finish up this Friday morning pod. How do the 49ers beat the Bears in week eight? Paranormal pumpkin, coconut marshmallow, rocky road, and maybe my new favorite flavor of Built Bar blueberry muffin you can find all the standard flavors all the standbys and new flavors filtering in all the time at built.com and oh yeah 15 percent off a box of built bars with promo code locked 15 built bars are high in protein they are low in calorie low in sugar low in net carbs it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and covered in 100 percent real 100 percent delicious chocolate you have to try these amazing bars for yourself to believe it it's a protein bar but it does not taste like one a lot of protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down built bars are soft and when you bite into it you know you're eating something different and of course you can get 15 percent off with promo code locked 15 promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com 
I do want to say really quick, and we, you know, we've had some things where like, ah, the 49ers, what's going on in the locker room? We've, we've been, there's been negative vibes around the team. And I know there's been issues that we've pointed out here a lot on the podcast. I just want to say, and I want to reiterate, and I had some listeners uh, this morning asking me about yesterday's pod when I brought up the stat about how Mike Singletary has a better record as head coach of the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan does. I mean, I brought that up with a smile on my face. And if you go listen to, um, if you go on YouTube, you can watch the, uh, the Locked On Bears version because Lauren Cox and, and Locked On Bears are on YouTube as we will be very soon. Um, the, it, like it, it was kind of a joke. Everybody's it was like, been asking for that too, by the way. It's like when are you guys on? When oh, are you I know. Guys well, on YouTube? Look, when so, you guys on um, YouTube? So. Doug Branson, shout out to Doug Branson. He's in charge of the the video side of our network. He's on uh, paternity leave, so his his he's having a baby right now. So he's gone. So that's there's a little delay right now because he's not working and he's the one that gets everything going with uh, with pods jumping onto YouTube. So. Um, it, it might be a little bit here before we get on, but hopefully sometime soon we will be live and we'll do, I guess live. We'll have some live shows. I think maybe, I think it'd be fun. I like to interact. I think the fans live. Will like that. Yeah. At least one live See, show. Uh, Haberman and Middlecoff. They do that. It, it works out. Well. Yeah. Well, I think one live show at least per week would be fun. Maybe even a winky Wednesday live would be fun. Yeah. Get some interaction with the, with the listeners. Um, anyway, what was I even talking about? Oh, yeah, the Singletary stat. It was like, I wasn't saying, oh, the Singletary's a better coach than Kyle Shanahan. Nobody in their right mind would trade Kyle Shanahan for Mike Singletary or anything like that. It was more just like, look, th- this is how bad his record is. Shanahan needs to start winning some games because he's a better coach than what this record looks like with the 49ers. I have a question, though. Why wouldn't they trade Singletary for, or trade Shanahan for Singletary? Did you see uh, Singletary's high school? Record, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he got he, fired. <laughs> I think he resigned before getting fired, but he was he won one game, and I think it was like one in twenty two or one in twenty or one okay, in twenty one, something like that, over two seasons, deal. and he resigned. He couldn't even he would get, get things done on the high school level. But his his his, his NFL team got worse as he was coaching it too. It was like okay, he, he was a five hundred team that he was gifted. They weren't an amazing team, but they weren't as bad as they were when they showed up in two thousand five. Um, you know, with a, a completely gutted roster. But yeah, it was just and it was pretty bad. By I the thought time it was a quarterback there. situation more than anything. I mean, obviously there was he some... went about things, but Alex Smith was not Alex Smith. He tried to play Troy Smith, and he's trying to yeah. figure out that whole dynamic. But but my question, the reason why I asked that was because do we hold Kyle Shanahan to a certain standard because of his name and maybe some of his past accomplishments more so than what he's proven to be as a 49ers coach? It also brings up the question: What's better? to be eight and eight for three straight years or to be four and 12, but then go to a Super Bowl and then be four and 12 again. You know what I mean? So like Shanahan's gotten him to a Super Bowl. He's been to Super Bowl with other teams. Um, I think that buys you a lot. A lot of people want to throw. It's, this is what sucks though. Cause a lot of people want to throw out 2017. Oh, it was a bad roster. They were starting over. Yeah. But if you throw that out, you got to throw out the good year too. Oh, they had a Super Bowl roster, so you can't count that. Like you know, like when, when do you stop? You know, when do you stop and start counting seasons? His record is his record, and uh, I, I think you have to count the process years. more than anything. And and I think they have some good players. I think he's a good coach, but something's definitely amiss right now. Real quick, I mean, we got to touch on this because I think this is something that fans want to hear. What is it that's missing? Because I, I said it in the off season, and I was like, look. At the end of the day, they they haven't done this. They didn't. They they passed on this opportunity. They passed on this. They didn't do this. It seems like now, five years in, a lot of their decisions that they have made aren't giving you the positive results that you were expecting. Especially five years in, 
We're five years in, and the team is two and four with no identity. So is he is he who we think he is? And usually, coaches that are five years into their job that are two and four and don't have an identity don't last long. But I also don't get the vibe that Kyle Shanahan is on the hottest hot seat, warm seat, even no. slightly warm seat as far as Jed York's concerned. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. No, well, he's not because because he just got an extension. If there were no extensions, say this is year five and he had he's still on his initial six year contract. Mm, yeah, would he be on a hot seat? He'd then? be going in. Yeah, so next year would be the last year of his original contract. Yeah, it may right. it might feel it, different. It, it might knowing that oh yeah, there's no way he's going to get fired and not even close. It might feel different, but I mean, it just doesn't feel. It feels like the 49ers are close enough. It, it feels like a better team than the Singletary years for sure. Like, yes, like but again, like you said. Your your record is what your record is. Now again, we can we can make and this is my issue because I like to do this. Like I, I can justify every move, every step of the way, why they didn't do this, why they why they why they didn't draft a Mahomes or or Watson. I can justify it. They, they wanted cousins. I can talk I can talk about you know why they passed on Tom Brady. And it was like, well, Jimmy was coming off of a Super Bowl year where he was coming off of a torn ACL and he's only gonna get better in the offense. And we can, you know, uh we can justify all these different things, but at the end of the day, it's for, you know, going on damn near four losing seasons in five years. So at what <laughs> yeah. point do we just say, maybe, maybe this is kind of who Kyle is and what he's going to be. And he's kind of made his bed and, and he's laying in it with this type of record over this long. Cause it's not a, it's not a one year thing where it's just like, Oh, you're just bad for one year. I think there's enough excuses for most fans to say, okay, 2017, brand new roster, starting over. You, you never expect them to be good. So many injuries last year, you can't expect them to be good. So now you're talking about, okay, this year, disappointment. But aside from that, building in 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo shows up, he tears his ACL, okay, then you're in a Super Bowl year. So I think when you really break it down and look at the context there, and like when you compare him to Singletary, there's a lot of really good young players on Singletary's roster that all of a sudden became super-duper stars. Uh, there were already really good players, but they became superstars. The next year, Jim Harbaugh shows up, all of a sudden, okay, now we're winning games. Like, I'm, I don't think, are the 49ers in a space where Jim Harbaugh shows up next year, and all of a sudden they're in the NFC Championship game? I... We only have to go off of what we know. <laughs> and and what we know, especially if you compare records and situations, it wasn't like it wasn't like Harbaugh was was handed a roster and it was like, hey, these guys are great. I, I think you could tell at that time they were kind of heading in the right direction, but they had not proved anything. I don't even think he wanted Alex Smith. And somehow he made all those guys winners. For three straight years, like winners, like you guys are the top dogs in the league from the moment he stepped there. I I think that that makes him like I, I would feel more comfortable with him at head coach heading into this season, and with that he's going to do the right things with the quarterback and bring the quarterback around. People talk about developing quarterbacks. What he did with Colin Kaepernick, who was like explosive and I mean just a, a terrific player over a few years. We're not we're not even getting those type of vibes with like at what point do we think Jimmy Garoppolo has played at as high as a level as Colin Kaepernick, who has a lot of raw traits? Colin Kaepernick, man, those playoffs and and the runs and and the way he did that. And I mean, like it was like special, right? Like those playoffs and what he did, and that was special. And we're not and, and it's like Jimmy Garoppolo came and he's supposed to be this veteran and, and he sat behind Tom Brady and he knows what it looks like, championship, all that. And we get into the playoffs. 
and you have to take the ball out of his hands because you're so worried about him losing the game for you. But why is why aren't we getting the out of the quarterback what Jim Harbaugh got out of Alex Smith that nobody wanted, and he signed his little contract and didn't even have an offseason and led the team to the NFC Championship game. And then Colin Kaepernick goes to the Super Bowl, then another NFC Championship game. How come we're not getting those same results from Kyle Shanahan, who's supposed to be the offensive guru? Uh, uh, there's, there's, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with this conversation. We have to get to our keys to victory here. I will say, I think you hit on the biggest thing is leadership. It's, it's what the Harbaugh teams had. I mean, you had some veterans, some really good players. I think they had a lot of leadership. I think there was, uh, some madness as well with some of those teams. Um, but one thing they had in 2019 that it feels like they're lacking right now is the leadership. I think that's, I think it's a big one. Um, Looking at this game in week eight, Croc, what is your biggest key for the 49ers to beat these Bears? Yeah, I, I'm, out, I'm all out of keys. Like, I feel like every every week I say a key and they actually do that and they still lose. <laughs> yeah, they got your like, takeaways well, last week. They got two right away. It's like, okay, this is how you do it. You win a game. Then they gave four back away. Well, it was, I mean, it started with the Seahawks where I was like, they got to start fast this game, you know, establish the run. They did that and they still lost. They started <laughs> fast, but then they like just stopped. And then, and then against the, uh, the Cardinal, I'm like, okay, you got to contain uh, Kyler Murray. You can't give up the big play. They did that and still lost. And then you go to the Colts and it's like, hey, if they just take the ball away twice, if they do that, they're going to win, guaranteed. They did that early and still lost. So I'm like, I, I don't even know what it is because they find different ways to lose every week. I guess this week I'm going to say don't give up the terrible pass interferences down the field. And if you limit that, you possibly can win against a team that you should you should have kind of overmatched. They got this young starting quarterback back there. He's not seeing the field well. You blitz him. He's doing some erratic stuff. He's turning the ball over. You know, limit the big play and I don't think that he can consistently march down the field. To me, yeah, and I think there's some business trip aspect to this. The 49ers, on paper, are a much better team. The 49ers should be able to go to Chicago and beat this team. This team is not playing good at all. And the the biggest thing is is what you mentioned, Justin Fields. You have to make life difficult for him, just like every other team so far has made life pretty difficult for him. How about this one? Uh, the bottom five quarterbacks, adjusted net yards per attempt. So this is yards per attempt, and then you factor in sacks as well. So you know when plays when you're going backwards are factored into this. Justin Fields last in the NFL, behind Zach Wilson, behind Davis Mills, behind Jacoby Brissett, behind Sam Darnold. 2.6 yards per attempt when you factor in sacks like they're just not moving the ball right now with Justin Fields and if he comes out and has a a field day no pun intended if if Justin Fields comes out like he could throw a haymaker on Kyle Shanahan and and Jimmy Garoppolo and this whole season because with what he's done if against the Niners with all the talk that we mentioned about you know leading up to the draft if Justin Fields is the guy that comes out and he has his get well game and his breakout game against the 49ers I mean We'll be losing our minds, right? People will be losing their minds next week about this team if that happens. So for for Shanahan, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a good game here, but you've got to limit Justin Fields. I mean, I, I think that is the yeah. number one key in this game by far. How about this one from Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus? 33.3% of the time, one-third of the time that Justin Fields has been pressured it has turned into a sack this season, which is a ridiculously high number. So Nick Bosa, go eat. Nick Bosa, go yeah. eat Justin Fields for dinner, and the 49ers will win this football game. 
And I, and I feel like the Fortnite's going to do that. Move him off of his spot. Make him uncomfortable. For whatever reason, he doesn't want to take off and run. I mean, the same thing in college where he probably didn't use his legs enough. We saw it in preseason, but that hasn't been the case during the season. So um, make him make bad decisions throwing the ball. And the best way to do that, especially for a young guy, pressure him. Blitz him. See if he can make some throws down the field consistently. I don't think that he's there yet in this part of his development. And he holds the ball extremely long. And that has resulted in 22 sacks since yep. he's took over. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you got to get the ball out quicker. Got to recognize it. I think there's something going on, whether it's with the offensive line and recognizing where what teams are doing on defense and where the blitzes are coming from. There's way too many free blitzers that get to Justin Fields, too. Like, someone's got to be able to make checks. And if Justin Fields is not, you know, if he's swimming and, and can't really recognize all that stuff, there's got to be a center that's pointing that out and making checks. There's got to be somebody that, that's helped protect him because uh, there's way too many free blitzers. So we might uh, see the 49ers try some of that if they're not getting home with their front four. One last quarterback statistic here from Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus. Um, and uh, Ben Baldwin as well. He dropped his um, big-time throw chart that he throws out there. So essentially it's showing big-time throws versus players who um, have turnover-worthy plays. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a chart of turnover-worthy plays and big-time throws. So if you are high and to the right of this grid, you're good because you are not turning the ball over. You're not throwing big turnover-worthy plays plays but you're making big time throws and if you're at the bottom left of this chart you are a boring quarterback who is also bad essentially and Jimmy Garoppolo is so far out on his own island at the bottom left yeah. of the the boring and bad quarterback side it's pretty crazy and uh Jeff Dini added to this and, and this is why it's like people are like well is Trey Lance even worse than Jimmy Garoppolo and these kind of statistics are why because he's not making big plays and he still is is it still has some too many turnover-worthy throws. Jimmy Garoppolo's rank among the 32 qualifying quarterbacks in turnover-worthy play percentage, 6.1, which is last of the 32, and his big-time throw percentage is 0.7%. He's had one big-time throw this season now. That is last. And I was just in the last game, Yeah, and I don't mm -hmm. even know what throw it was, but... Uh, I, must, thought that the big, it, it, I thought the one against the Eagles when he hit Debo Samuel, like, that wasn't a big-time throw. I think one of the big time throws had to be when they had when they marched down really quickly and had those really th those three hit those three crossers in a row basically. The the one to uh, Warner, yeah. probably. I think it's I think big time throws are twenty air yards. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that chart. He is dead last, and it's crazy. Four nine's other quarterback, Trey Lance. He was kind of in the middle, kind of clustered up with a lot of other guys. Yeah, he's right, right, kind of dead center. Mm-hmm. So that's how things are going. The 49ers have your veteran quarterback that you're supposed to be winning with. Go win with your veteran quarterback in Chicago. Make it a business trip. You're a better football team. Go beat the Chicago Bears. That's the key to victory to me. If a rookie quarterback comes in and torches you, um, you've got to make some changes. Thanks for listening. Making us your first listen every day. Go find Croc on Croc Talk TV on YouTube. Go find him on Locked On NFL Draft. Go find me on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show after you Listen to us every day, and we'll be back Monday breaking down everything that happened in Chicago right here, Locked On 49ers.